You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 12 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined again for another week by our social media manager, Mr. James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Well, I'm all right. I'm I'm getting a bit stir crazy here. I don't know about you. I'm you know being stuck um, in these four walls. Um, be 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 good to get out of the house. And uh, it does. If what the um, if what the football association and the prime minister are telling us um, is anything to go by, uh, then we, you know we, we we might even dare to be optimistic. We're going to have some football to watch um, in the next couple of weeks. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's, uh, I work from home all the time, so. Uh, being on lockdown is a bit like a busman's holiday for me, as uh, I'm always at home working anyway. So not much has changed for me. But as you say, there, be nice to fifth of December to get on out and watch a bit of live football. I cannot wait. Absolutely, fingers crossed. Right then, um, on this week's ep- episode of the Toolstation Western League podcast, we hear from the chief executive of Ref Support, Martin Cassidy. Of course, Martin came on to the podcast when all of this nonsense kicked off. Um, at the B uh, uh, back in March. Um, so if we, if you're going to blame anybody, blame him. I mean, he's used to it, isn't he? He's a ref. Um, but um, no, we love the whistle, and uh, it was another fantastic interview with uh, with Martin. That's well worth a listen. And we also hear from um, well, the godfather of uh, Western League social media management. Um, he is the yes, he he very he is the don to um, to James's Yoda. Um, it's Mike Parrish, of course, from Plymouth Parkway, um, and that's a fantastic um, chat with Mike. And he um, was kind enough to share his thoughts on on uh, just giving some pointers on um, on how clubs can um, can look to improve what they're doing on on social media. Really good um, to have a chat with uh, with Mike about that. And um, we got some other bits and pieces we're going to have a chat about as well. But uh, we'll kick off, I think, by um, by. Uh, introducing that interview with um, with Martin Cassidy. Um, of course, Martin, as I said at the top of the podcast, is the chief executive of, of the charity Ref Support that supports um, uh, match officials uh, at many levels of the game, including our own. And I started off by asking Martin what he's been doing and what Ref Support have been doing during lockdown. Oh, we've been doing quite a lot. We've, we've been doing the... Um, we've got a clip of a game... We were analysing the clip where the referee could have done an awful lot of things better. He's he done some good stuff, but there's lots of stuff that he could have, he could have done um, better. And it's something we want to push out through lockdown, looking at clips where referees are learning from what other people have done wrong, but also learning about what they've done right. And it's a, it's a, it's a thing that's been really, really popular, such an extent that a, 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 a sponsor's approached us to put the name to it. Um, and we think it'd be great to have managers involved with that because what we've always said as a charity, because we're independent of the FA, we don't want to shut the doors to anyone. And we know we can learn from managers and clubs and fans, and we want to be able to engage with them. And we think having, having them look at a clip with us, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be educational. And I think we'll both learn from each other. So that, that's one big thing that we did. Another was we launched an app, a free mental help app where, um, Download it for free, you fill it all in, and it sends you messages to saying how you're feeling today, grade yourself. So if when you open your phone or you pick your phone up, you get a message of it saying, how are you feeling today? And you score yourself. And then in that score, that says, oh, look, you know, you're, you're not feeling too positive today. Yeah, here's a video, click on a video. And there'll be a famous person on that video saying, look, I went through a, a dark time or a difficult time. 
this is what I did. I come out all positivity, positivity. So particularly with that for refs has, has really helped us. And a couple of players have picked up on it, which is brilliant. It really does get some positivity going. And we've launched another app, which is the first time it's been used in football across the world. A whistleblowing app, you know, whistleblowing for whistleblowers. We get lots of people in, in the whole of football saying, I'm, I'm not heard. I'm not heard. We have it with leagues saying it to us who don't know how to stand up to the FA or the fear that if they do stand up to the FA, they might get some funding cut. Or We have referees who want to stand up, but they're scared. They might not get promoted. They might get sent to the rubbish clubs, inverted commas, who give them bad marks every game. They won't get a cup final. So there's lots, there's lots of things out there that we just felt from an independent point of view. It's a fully anonymous app. So you download the app. You register in whatever name you want, absolutely whatever name you want. Then they get sent, uh, I assure, assurance to a, a whistleblowing company, independent third body. They'll get that information. And they're all ex-police investigators, high-ranking police officers who know how to investigate things. They'll collate all that together. And what's been missing from football, and particularly from a referee player's perspective, which is really interesting our part, is that if you have a referee who clearly isn't good enough at a certain level, let's just use the Western League because here we are talking about Western League. If you have six or seven clubs who have all reported that referee is below the standard, they don't seem to know. No one collates that. A league will get a report. A league will get a report. A league will get... They don't seem to collate it to say, hang on, seven clubs in one season. Can't be wrong. Can't be wrong. This needs looking at. Straight away, we feel... That would, that would be positive for clubs to engage with. So we can send it to them. They can go back to the FA and say, oh, hang on a minute. Why have seven clubs marked that referee consistently low, yet you're still giving them games? Are you supporting that referee? Has he got his own challenges? And equally with the clubs, clubs constantly getting reported for being really bad, particularly managers on the benches and stuff like that. No one seems to collect that and say, look, seven referees can't be wrong. They've all reported that same individual. So we think... So that's a really important way of, of um, whistleblowing in inverted commas and trying to make the game better, but you can protect yourself because it's completely anonymous. So are both of those apps publicly available or are they only um, available to your, to your no, referees? No, we've made them. Yeah, we, we did the deal, the sponsorship deals with the company's individual. Uh, one of them is done under a, a charity called the Street Soccer Foundation, which is in every Premier League club. It's about getting homeless people off the streets, into, fo- in, into a football environment where they feel like they're part of something, share, the, share all the problems they've had, learn soft skills, more employability, all that engagement, all that positivity. So they launched this app and we said, look, can we use it in our world? And they said, yeah, please do. So that app there is all free. Just to go down onto um, the Street Soccer Foundation website. It's called Match Fit, the app. Download the free and, and go and see what you think of it. Any, any feedback to us via you, Ian, about the app would be absolutely wonderful. And the I respect one, I respect, well, the I insurance one is all out there too. Go on our social f- media feeds, particularly Twitter, Ref Support UK on Twitter. You'll see all the apps that are on there. Download them, have a look. And let's see if all the football stakeholders, players, managers, teams, and referees can all have a bit more free extra support. 
Well, it, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that mental health app because last week we did an interview with the charity Mind um, talking about what it's like for fans and other people involved in football um, to be coping with that, with the loss of football, particularly during the se this, the second lockdown. But of course, it struck me that, you know, when we talk about people involved in football, we, we, we often forget about the match officials because there is at, they're as involved as the rest of us. Has your organisation been supporting match officials with, with their mental health needs during this, uh, during this difficult time? Yeah, the, the, the app, both apps were particularly important in our part of mechanism supporting the mental health of match officials because the frustration can build up where they can't say anything. You don't want to report something to the FA or their line manager because they fear that line manager might say, oh, you're not mentally strong enough. You're not down for promotion. You're not down for big cup finals local derbies, you know, particularly down Boxing Day and New Year. So they won't report it. So having it coming to us and be able to do it anonymously, A, let them be able to get it off the chest. B, they know we'll keep it to ourselves. We won't go anywhere with it. C, really important, if we do go anywhere with it, they can remain anonymous. So it's three-pronged attack there from the mental health. And of course, with the app from the other side, you can use it. It sends you messages daily, how are you feeling? You can score it. You can go into it, give you motivational messages all free, give you a little bit of a shot on the arm and make you feel better and ready for those challenges ahead. So that's been really important. One of the things that really, really made us go down this route was, you might have seen it on Twitter, the Sat Young uh, Toki case, but he got punched. Referee, the referee ends up being hospitalised. Serious mental health issues, which he's fine. He's, he's getting much better now. You know, and then he got no support. No one offered them any form of welfare support, any mental health from the FA or the, or the county FA. They phoned them once. They never followed it up. It's not automatic that they phone up the referee. They might drop them an email, but he wants, to, he wants to call, wants to be able to hear a voice. They're not very good at that, the FA. In fairness to this one, Steve Tanner, who was a West Country lad, he, um, he works at Wembley. He did phone them, in fairness. He's the only one from... P.O. Box 1966 at Wembley, who uh, contacted him, but the County of A's involved didn't. So, because we were really important in that support mechanism for him mentally, and I'm glad to say that we're still supporting him going forwards. There's things developing with the FA at Wembley, what we're really happy with about changing things going forwards. So, yeah, so that's a good example. If we had that app, the player who assaulted him in that video sent him messages trying to, well, the messages were saying, Give me, I'll give you money not to take this further. Now, we believe that's bribery and we believe that's trying to pervert the cause of justice. That's allegations. We've got those letters. We've got those emails. We sent them to the FA and we sent them to the county FA. They did not mitigate those messages in this case. And we believe if they did, the 10-year ban definitely would have been signy die and it definitely wouldn't have got reduced to five. So there's a really good example where if that had come to us direct, to our app, we could have pushed it to these investigators who would have put a legal twist on it, gone back and said, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Why aren't you dealing with this? To this day, we do not know why those messages have not been dealt with by the county FAs, of which something we're still going to be looking into now. So that's a really good example of uh, taking it out of the environment of football and trying to make it really impactful and, and really supportive. I mean, I, I saw the, the coverage that you put out about the incident on, on social media, but um, I also heard the, 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 the case discussed at length on, uh, on TalkSport. Hmm. So the work of your organisation for that particular match official 
helped to put into the public spotlight, national attention, yeah. the incident that occurred. And I think that probably, I mean, I, you know, it's, an, it's a huge feather in your cap because really by doing that, by making it impossible for the footballing public not to know about that incident, not to talk about that incident, I think that was incredibly effect, in, effective in bringing about change. And it was the sort of change that, you know, that, 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 that needed to be brought about because I'm sure that sadly officials, and you'll know the statistics better than I, match officials across the country have to put up with that type of abuse on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, we've talked about it a lot, but never from a mental health point of view, from a physical point of view. We know, the FA know, they say it's 0.01% of games where referees get proven cases of assault. The word proven is really important in their statistics because that's all what they've heard to their cases when a player does something wrong, goes to the hearing, gets found proven. They don't tell you how many of those hearings were not proven. Now, that's irrelevant in the case of what happened. The referee deemed that to be assault and reported him. Also, the FA brought in another charge which dilutes the assault down to contact with match official. We understand you need to frame it differently. We need to, you know, a little push, go away ref on your shoulder, is, is nowhere near as severe as three punches or a head, but we, we get that. But they don't seem to add all them in together of, of, of assault. And really, touching a match official is a serious event, no matter what were you doing. It's never done, you know, if you pat them on the back and say, oh, fair play, ref, happy days, that's fine. We understand that will not be resulting in a charge. So from what we know, referees aren't reporting it because they don't believe it gets dealt with robustly enough. Look at this case where um, Satyam, five years, he punched him three times. He cut his eye. He tried to bribe him. That was the minimum sanction the FA could give. They give to that person. This tells us they're not taking it serious, so referees are the same. So the FA can never claim that their figures statistically are correct. We believe it's about six to eight a week referees get assaulted. This is what we know from people talking to us. You say, I've been assaulted. I'm not going to report it because last time nothing happened. Also, we know, even in the West Country, if you just think about it, when I was refereeing, I would bump into players when I was in town. I would bump into managers when I was in town. If you sent that manager off or he's hit you and you're bumping into him in town, you're going to get grief. It isn't like Martin Atkinson, referee in Chelsea, Tottenham, lives in Newcastle, never going to bump into those players. Might bump into fans, but never going to bump into the players. All level of football and below, you're very, very highly likely to bump into the people that you've got to deal, deal with in a football environment. That stops referees reporting assaults and similar issues. They're going to bump into them in a pub. They're going to bump into them on a school run. They're going to bump into them in a supermarket. All these, we've evidenced, we've had a referee get spat at in front of his wife and kids in a supermarket because he sent them off and he missed the cup final. Really? Is that acceptable in our game? So these mental health challenges, mm. we know, we've had, think of the area of, of, of Wiltshire, garrisons in Wiltshire, military garrisons, some of our finest men in the country in these garrisons. Some of these referee, some of these are trains, killers, they can handle themselves, absolutely no doubt about it. We get calls off people who are in the military, not necessarily from that area, but we do the military all over the country, who say, do you know what? This lad threatens to slit my throat threatened to beat me up but I know I know I got absolutely battered him but I chose not to 
because I'm committed to my cause as a referee. I know that is not the right thing to do. So I'm trusting the system to punish that person properly and the system doesn't do that. Equally, when that person goes to bed and he's lying there in bed, playing through your head, that's when it starts getting to them. They don't feel as manly. You know, I could have, I could have done something back. I could have, you know, I could have had him. We're not saying do that. But I could almost guarantee the way things are going, there's going to be a referee who hits back, hits back, and the FA needs to take responsibility for that. We don't blame the FA for when a player headbutts another player. Equally, for the way, the way that they're getting addressed, protection referees, the FA have got to take blame. And I hate using the word blame. They've got to take blame for not protecting referees properly because they, they've just proved by lowering the maximum ban to the minimum ban possible for the serious, serious assaults that they're not doing it properly. So I've put the sort of flag in the ground. Yeah, I've been on TalkSport. Yes, we've been on all the papers. It was on the BBC One News last Saturday. All talking about this. There's too many cases happening now where they should have been game changers. They should have been game changers. Video evidence, not subjective. And the FA have not done anything. They have not changed anything. There's no preventative method. So we are really strong on this. The mental health of referees is coming into play in a way we never thought possible. More people are coming forward to talk about it, which is positive. It's positive to share the experience. It's positive to say, I'm not all right. Give me a little bit of help. That's fine. But we need to stop it happening in the first place. That's where the robustness needs to come in. And then if you're still having these sorts of challenges, then, then let's have the support mechanism in place, which clearly it isn't at the moment. I mean, it, it strikes me, Martin, that as with so much of your work, um, you know, you're highlighting issues that have plagued referees and match officials for many, many years. And I think one of the things that with this in 2020, that with the lockdowns that we've had with the COVID interruptions, fans have really felt the loss of, of football. But actually, the sorts of mental health issues that that's thrown up because of the, the loss of our weekly routine to go to football on a Saturday and see our friends actually gives us a window into the world of match officials who for decades have been abused, um, both from people in the dugouts, um, on the pitch and, and on the sidelines. So if we're feeling low, if we're feeling bad as fans and we're missing our friends and we want to go to the game on Saturday, actually... Perhaps we need to take a moment to think about how low we're feeling now and the next time we, have a, uh, we abuse a match official, next time we shout something, realise that actually we're just passing that negativity on to somebody, onto another human being. Mm. No, 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 you're spot on, mate. And we, we, I think I told this last time I talked, the majority of people in football are brilliant. Some of the clubs, you know, I've got to talk to, like I've said, I've good relationship with Shepton Mallet, Warminster's, Cheddar, Streets, Bishop Lydiard, cracker clubs, absolutely cracker clubs. But then they don't control their social media either. Sometimes they might have someone doing their social media and it makes them look bad. So when you address the social media part of it and say, hang on a minute, we go back up and saying, frankly, why are you being an obhead? When you go to the club, they're, they're mortified. The club's going, oh my God, we didn't realise they were putting that sort of nonsense out. So that's a really good sign. It happened to Shepton Mallet. Fair play to the chairman, John. Top, top guy. He got that off Twitter straight away because the guy on Twitter was saying things about referees that was clearly not acceptable. So we know the majority of people out there are positive, are good for the game, and really good people like John and those other clubs I've mentioned, and many more. But what happens is the small majority is becoming bigger and bigger 
and bigger, and we're just classed as fair game. They don't see us. They see us as a uniform. Yeah. They don't see us as a, as a individual. Trust me, and I remember talking. Someone said, "Ah, referees, you know, they'll they'll mess up a game. They'll give a dodgy penalty, and they'll forget about it." No, no, that doesn't happen. Trust me, it doesn't happen. The reason players and managers and clubs think that happens because the, the referees are told not to go on social media. We had an example where there's a referee, there's a video out on Twitter, I'm happy to send it to you, where the referee, um, the ball of the penalty, ball at the bar, allowed 1966, bounced down, went over the line, never give the goal, never give the goal. Now, there's a, there was someone behind, behind the, ca- the goal with a phone camera, video on it, and it was over the line by absolutely miles, two metres. He went on Twitter, he said, look, I want to apologise to the club. Clearly, I got this wrong. Now, we jumped on that. I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Brilliant. That's what we want. We want us to admit we're wrong. We want us to build those bridges. We invited him onto our final whistle podcast, which is something we do very popular. His county of eight told him not to go on. Told him not to go on and don't do that again. Now, what? how does that benefit the game? How does that build better relationships with football clubs? When you, all we want is to get things right. And all we want us to admit when we're wrong. And then when we do it, the county FA tell us not to do it. I was really, really angry about that. And that's a small example as where I think the, the bridges between clubs and referees really need to be stronger. And trust us, referees don't make a mess of things intentionally. And when they do make a mess of things and they found out they've made a mess of things, dodgy pen, dodgy red card, whatever, we, we, even I can tell you this, we stew on it. We, injuries, when injuries happen in our game and we haven't kicked anyone, we stew on it. And the problem is, like I said, fans and clubs and players think we don't because we're not allowed to share our views on social media, which is where we come in. This is why we're independent and we want more of this communication going between clubs, players and referees, both ways, positively and negatively. Martin, I, I could ha- quite happily chat football with you all day. Because it, it is, it is, um, it's fantastic to hear what you've got to say. You, you know, I don't, I don't say this purely because you're on the podcast, but I, the, the work that your organisation does for match officials, I think, is is truly outstanding work. Um, I know you've got a lot of time for the Tour Station Western League, and I, you know, I hope that we can continue to support the fantastic work you you do. You did mention your podcast there. Um, yeah. I know that there'll be people listening to this who who who, who want to hear more from you, more more time than I can give you, I'm afraid. So, can you tell us a little bit about the podcasts that you uh, that you're involved with? Yeah, the, the, the the podcast is three of us. There's myself here from Ref Support UK. There's Anthony Caravan who runs a thing called the Referees Forum which is a bit like Paddy Power as well, as everyone's got, having a crack on there. We have a go at, at referees ourselves, which we do. And um, another lad called Nathan Sherritt, who does the third team, all on Twitter. And the third team is all about mental resilience. So Nathan's like the good boy. He's like the teacher's really, really on message, really good, really good guy. And me and Anthony are a bit different. I'll, I'll say what I think needs to be said about referees not being good enough and about the poor behaviour of... Um, of players, fans, and Twitter accounts. But we also talk real football. We've had managers on. We've had psychologists on. We've had referees from abroad on. We had um, a doctor on, Dr. Tom Webb, who, who proved through a UEFA academic paper that you're seven times more likely to get abused and threatened in England than you are in Holland and France. Shameful, shameful information. That isn't us coming from like a, 
inverted commas, biased point of view. This is an academic paper done by someone who's never refereed. So we know there's loads to do. We know we're not all perfect. We know some referees who referee at the Western League level aren't good enough for that level. We know there's referees in the line at Western League level aren't good enough for that level. The referee needs, the FA needs to do more training. They can't. That's where we want to come in. We want to try and help referees all free and assist them referees become the best they can. And if they're not good enough, let's not kick them off. Let's make them better like you would with a player. Let's give them support. Let's give them some guidance. And that's where we sit with it. And with the Western League, I've said this last time, I've been involved in a Western League now for nearly 28 years. Started as a lino, started as a ref. When I worked at Wembley, I was a coach. I've never assessed because I don't really believe in assessing, if I'm honest. But I think I've never assessed. So I love the Western League. They give me a good chance. And there's so many good, good people out there in the Western League. Sometimes small minorities spoil it for the league by some of the behaviour. But by and large, I, I love going to Western League football and long may it you know, remain to, to, to go forward and, and progress and be the positive league it is. And my thanks to Martin for his time. And it was a it was a timely reminder that uh, interview, uh, James, that um, whilst we've been doing all of this work to um, you know support the think of a fan campaign, and I think you know it's right that you know we we promote what our fans are are thinking, particularly at this difficult time, and not least you know the mental health aspect, which of course we heard about from Mind on last week's podcast. But actually, these mental health issues have been uh, they affect everybody at football, players and match officials alike. And to be fair to the match officials, they've been putting up with quite a lot of stick for quite some time without really anybody shining a light on um, on, on on the impact that that sort of abuse, physical or mental, must be having on them. Yeah, it must be difficult. They get a lot of stick, as you say, they're referees and linesmen. You're just two feet away and you're calling this bloke every name under the sun. You wouldn't do that on the street. So you, you have to think how it does affect them after the games. Do they have people to talk to and things like that? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, I don't know how they put up with it. You you have to doff your cap to them, these blokes that go out, and women that go out and officiate for us so we can go and watch a game of football. Um, but how do they, uh, do they all communicate to each other, do they have like a networking group that they can they can speak to? Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult for them. I, I just can't imagine doing it, to be honest. And of course, it's been like that, you know, for years, isn't it? I mean, we I think we're, we're we you know I think people are a lot more open to talk about mental health issues now, and I think particularly with the pandemic, we we really feel it. But actually, people have been giving refs a hard time and linesmen, as you say. For years, and I, I don't know whether we assume that, you know, if you're in a stadium of 70,000 people all chanting songs about the referee, um, maybe that's an impersonal, um, you know, attack that enables people to sort of, you know, think, oh, well, it doesn't really, it's you know, the, the normal rules of polite society don't apply. But, of course, at our games, you know, where there might only be a few dozen supporters, it's a very, very personal, very intimate um, relationship often with the um, you know with the with with the officials and I, I don't perhaps we we really do need to spend a little bit more time thinking what impact our words are having on other people because if we realized and appreciated just how much upset we were causing then perhaps we would think again you'd certainly like to think so wouldn't you you would yeah I mean when I got out to games uh, for example I went down to Ashton and Backwell and I took some photos of one of the referees there um, and he contacted me on social media and said, oh, any chance you could send them over? I sent them over to him. And just at the bottom of the email, I said, I thought you had a really good game today. 
well well done basically and i had an email back saying that's really nice to hear because you don't normally get that sort of praise after a game you always criticize what you're doing and everything and you get a lot of stick so it's nice to have an email saying actually you've done a done a good job today so um it would be quite nice for people just to praise a referee if they if they thought they'd done a good job because it's easy to criticize them yeah absolutely to right. actually actually say to them well done ref you had a good game today probably means so much more to that referee or linesman to know that they've done a good job because they don't go out to make mistakes. Everyone makes a mistake, but the referee doesn't on purpose go out and give a dodgy penalty or a dodgy free kick that results in a goal. He didn't drive to that game saying, oh, I'm going to give a penalty today. They don't <laughs> do that. They don't do it on purpose, do they? But then, Absolutely. Then we treat them like they have done this on purpose and they're doing it to annoy you. They're not. They're, they're human. They make mistakes. But at the end of the game, shake their hand. And it, like I say, with the email that I sent saying he had a good game, I had a nice email back and he really appreciated the nice comment, really. So just, just be nice. Simple as that. Let's all be nice to each other. Probably best not to shake their hand at the moment, though, eh, Jim? Bit of a fist pump. Good really. point. Yeah. yeah. El- elbow fist or whatever. Yeah. Definitely. Or just say, Definitely. just say to him, don't shake their eyes. Just say, you've done a good job today. But don't get too close. Two yeah. metres, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two metres away. <laughs> if you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a tool station near you. Anyway, um, the other, of course, the other, the other campaign we've been we've been running is the um, the show must go on, and uh, where we're promoting our our, our clubs, um, uh, well, social media feeds in general, really, and um, and uh, particularly, of course, that the footage that you can now see from so many of our clubs on YouTube now. The leaders in this, uh, in many respects, and particularly when we went into the first lockdown, um, were as they are in many things to do with the with the Western League Plymouth Parkway. And I, I, you know, I'm certainly not shy of heaping praise upon Mike Parrish for his excellent documentary Round Our Way, which is, you know, I mean, it, that will stand the test of time. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward um, to the um, the second instalment of that of that incredible piece of work so really at a time when we've got this hiatus when we're all on pause i thought it might be nice to catch up with mike so many clubs in the western league are doing more and more and more in terms of their media not just online not just in the papers also you know match day photographers and of course social media so i wanted to have a chat with mike about his top tips for what he thinks clubs can be doing better to really make the most of social media but i started off by asking mike how he's been and how he's been spending lockdown yeah uh hello ian yeah busy busy with work which is which is good and um i've been able to kind of put parkway on the the back burner a little bit which has been nice but we have tried to put out as much output as we can onto the channel so we've done some things such as alternate commentary and we've created a podcast and we've done a quiz so it's been challenging to, to do different things apart from the highlights uh, the matches and the match reports and things like that but it's been yeah it's been good it's been good well if, if that's what you're doing when you put Parkway on the back burner. I dread the thing how busy you are 
um, um, you know, and uh, when, when we've got football on. I mean, I noticed that you'd launched a podcast. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because I'm sure that um, obviously the regular listeners to the Westerly podcast might be might be interested in checking that out. Yeah, I think it's um, along with yourselves and there's some fantastic podcasts out there. And I've been involved with um, creating podcasts with initially local football radio and then the Devon Football Show. So all the players were keen to to join in and the managers and the chairman and along with um, Gavin Lloyd who uh, does the social media with me we decided to just stick three episodes out um, it was initially meant to be 45 minute episodes but by the time we've got through talking about what we wanted to talk about they've turned into a, an hour and a half episodes we've done two and the third one's this weekend so it's the podcast are brilliant it's a great little way of of keeping the content out and listening to players talk differently. We've done quizzes with players. We've done, uh, there's brothers in the team. We've done get to know your brother and it's, yeah, it's been different. It's been fun. That's excellent stuff. And of course, the last time I spoke to you and we were talking about your, your, your fantastic documentary round our way. Um, you told us then that, that there would be, um, an, uh, there was going to be another, um, a documentary that you're going to do of, of, of this season. Uh, how's that? How's that coming along? Yeah, Ian. It's um, the football takes care of itself. Um, so match days just get a lot of content. Uh, the football tells the story, um, and the start Parkway have had has been obviously very, very good. Um, but it started with a defeat to Salt Ash in the FA Cup, so it it starts on a bit of a, a dodgy setting. So I'm just putting lots of little stories in place as the season goes and take it game by game. And then the interview process and filling in the gaps will start uh, January time um, once, there's, once there's things to talk about with players in the interviews. There's no point doing them early when there's nothing to talk about. So the documentary will get into full force come January, but at the moment it's just recording the games, getting them stored and locked away and and going back to them as and when I need them. Now, um, social media, I think it would be fair to say, Mike, has come quite a long way in recent seasons. Um, obviously, this is something that you've really developed for Plymouth Parkway, but I imagine that it's something that you see the value of other clubs um, investing in. I really do. I think it's the question people say, is, uh, they're only a step five club, how much social media do they need? The answer is all the social media they can get because it is a huge part of any football club nowadays. It's the, what you can do on social media and the output you can give and the identity you can give your club before anyone even goes to a ground is huge. And I think a lot of people who go to games, ground hoppers, people who want to go and watch a game, will go on their social media to see what it's like. And if there's really good information, uh, be it simplistic or a bit more detailed, it only bodes well for for any football club. Um, and I've noticed huge leaps taken by not only clubs in the Tool Station Western League, but clubs around me in the peninsula and even lower down the ranks. And it's amazing to see. It's why should it only be for the for the higher level clubs? Um, if you get in charge of a social media account and you're able to do little things with it to give your club an identity. It, that's how it should be and like you say it will draw more people to grounds I personally believe. 
I mean, media coverage is, um, used to just be about match reports, didn't it? And then we had the sort of the evolution of the website and, and then that gave birth to social media. And I know we've sort of seen Twitter used um, increasingly across, across the Western League. And we've even got examples now of clubs with their own YouTube channels. And I mean, I know obviously your documentary is on YouTube, but actually you're not alone in having content there. Of course, we've got teams in the first division, you know, Corsham and Warminster who, who put out a lot of YouTube um, content. So, I mean, the, look, looking across the whole sort of breadth of, um, of social media, it's quite an exciting um, time for people like you and me who consume this stuff. But, but, but for a lot of clubs who struggle to find volunteers to sort of work the gate, particularly now we've got a load of COVID um, mm. restrictions to, you know, um, to, to adhere to as well. I mean, it can be quite a daunting prospect, can't it? So, I mean, have you got any thoughts on, you know, on, on how making good quality social media content can be made manageable for, um, for Western League clubs? I do, Ian. And, um, I think before, if you're running a social media account at a club that hasn't got people doing highlights, people taking pictures, that's really, you're up against it in a way, but in another way you're not. So you haven't got those things. So what you've got to look at is how to make your, if we take Twitter as a platform and we forget about YouTube, we forget about websites for a minute. If you focus on just your Twitter and what you can do on your Twitter for a club, then that's how you move forward. So there's lots of clubs in our league who use hash, like hashtags, really simple, like Town Corp, Mallet, Up the Bucks, uh, Bridgie, Bridgewater, all of these things. That, that slowly becomes your first identity. And then it's a case of how you word things how you present things on, on your Twitter timeline. Um, you can make, the thing with me and uh, Gavin, what we did was at the start of the season is you make lots of templates, which you can re revert back to. And that's really simple to do. But even if you can't do that, it's just a case of each tweet looking the same. Um, Pre-match, post-match, during the game. And it's, during the game is, is fantastic for clubs. And even myself, I, at halftime at the games, I go and look at all the other clubs and see how they're getting on. And most of the clubs now are fantastic in telling you the minute, the goal, and a lot of them use graphics. But if you can't have access to that, you just got to concentrate on just making your Twitter feed be as simplistic as possible with the correct information um, and make an, ide an identity for yourself with some hashtags and also including some adding some people in so at the tool station western league and at southwest sports news and then you get seen by a bigger audience on on social media more people will see what you're doing who you are and you just take it from there and then the rest will follow twitter is a great platform to to advertise for if, if there's any up you know budding young people who want to come and film the games and and learn their trade with a football club, which I did. So advertising on, on Twitter as well is a great platform to maybe get people in and around your area who have got an interest in filming sport and, and starting at a step five club, be it they could be at uni or it, it could just be a hobby of theirs. Um, so there's lots of ways Twitter is hugely important. And I don't go on about Instagram or, or Facebook because I think Twitter is the main platform for non-league football to get 
uh, your own identity out there. So that's how I would start. I would start with just making your Twitter as simplistic as possible. Because there's also a lot of um, platforms and software available, isn't there? That, that isn't, I mean, it is free to use and, and, and does help manage um, social media content. Yeah, it really does. There's lots of, um, I think the birth of the uh, smartphone has really, has really helped. You can do so much on, on an iPhone or other, other phones are available. <laughs> but um, the way you can take pictures and crop pictures and put them into, um, into your Twitter feeds and, and even starting a, a simple thing like that and building um, some graphics that way. But there's lots of other little programs you can download, lots of apps if you type into the App Store, photo apps, um, video apps. There's, there's things that make your stuff better and that's all there to be found. I'm sure I could send a link over to you when you put this out that these are the ones you can download. But yeah, there's lots of aid and there's lots of tools out there that can help you. And I mean, you, you had an interesting journey into this particular area, didn't you? Because I remember the first time we spoke, you, you, told, you, you, know, you told us about um, how you got introduced to, to, to Plymouth Parkway. And at the time, I was very interested to hear about that from you know, your journey. But actually, other clubs that are out there, again, you know, people struggle with, to find volunteers. But, but, but Parkway had quite a proactive approach to, um, to getting hold of you in the first instance, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, Ian, they, uh, the, the chairman, is always forward thinking. Uh, he got in touch with um, my university in Plymouth and put a plea out to to my lecturer at the time um, in the journalism course I was doing. If any if anyone was interested in in coming to film the games, um, and that's how I got on board. I I initially jumped at the chance to do it, and and I remember my first game there was it was like walking into you know, the little family that, that Parkway are in every non-league football club are. They're very welcoming. They make you feel happy. And then you learn your trade from there. My first my first video, I didn't have any sound and I missed two goals. And it was, oh, what, what, what are we going to do? Is this, this, is, this is really bad. But it's like anything. You've, you've got to start somewhere. And you've got to improve. And uh, you're exactly right in what you're saying about Cor- uh, Corsham and Warminster and even Buckland. So Buckland put the call out and um, another lad above me on my course is now doing wonders, really. Uh, If you look at Buckland's output last season to them this season, I've got to give them all the credit in the world. Um, Post-match interviews and um, highlights and everything. But it's all got to start somewhere, Ian. And I think I'll revert back to what, what we have discussed is you've got to be proactive. If you want someone to come and film your games you as a club you've got to go and find them because they won't come to you you might get the odd one here and there say oh you know ring a club and things like that but it's the club who I think need to be right we've got to find these people what's around us is there any colleges around us um six forms that do any media look into it because more often than not if you put the call out there, someone will respond and then your content can grow. Excellent. Absolutely excellent stuff. Now, we can't get you on, Mike, um, without having a a bit of a chat about how Plymouth and Parkway are getting on this season. Um, I mean, you you alluded to it earlier in the interview. You've had 11 wins from 13. Are you surprised at just how well um, your team have started this season? If you look at the team on paper, you should say no. Um, But we both know football is what happens in the 90 minutes. And I think Parkway have been, each game, they've handled it differently. Um, 
I've been really, really impressed with Parkway, but I've been really, really impressed with the standard within the Tool Station Western League so far. There hasn't been a dull game at, at Parkway. The two Buckland matches were, were fantastic matches. The Exmouth game was arguably, for me, one of the, the best quality football um, I've seen since starting at Parkway. And then Brislington, even despite the 4-0 defeat, they gave us a, a run for our money and arguably could have had one or two more goals on the day. And even Street, I mean, it's horrible for them. It would be horrible for us. It would be horrible for anyone to lose 10-2. But they played, they played some fantastic football on the night and, and credit to them. And you can, you can see, we, I mean, Parkway ran into a 4-0 lead and it was kind of game over after 20 minutes. But they didn't let their heads drop. They played neat passing football and both of their goals, um, the lead up to the penalty and, and the goal they scored in the second half, they, it was fantastic stuff. So, yep, Parkway's got their work cut out when they come back, but Lee Hobson, the players and everyone in, is more than aware of that. Um, haven't seen arguably the best of the rest so far in, in Tavistock and Bitten. Um, Bridgewater seems to have signed six or seven players and, and, and look to be, there'll be a different outfit when we play them. So I think for anyone following the Western League this season, yes, Parkway are 13 games unbeaten. Yes, they're four points clear if Tavi win their games in hand, but there's a long way to go. And um, it will be hugely interesting to, um, to see what happens once football returns. Do you think that Lee is fighting a war on two fronts this season? Because um, obviously we've seen you topping the table in impressive form. But actually, you know, the other thing that everyone's got half an eye on is points per game. Um, and, you know, not knowing how this season will conclude. Do you think that's in his mind to make sure that you're sort of doing, you're, you're, on, you're on top of both tables, basically? I do, I do. And um, I think Parkway have been very lucky that, they only had one match cancelled pre-lockdown. So they've managed to get the games on board when a lot of clubs have played only eight or nine games. Um, so that he's been lucky in that way. But I can't speak for Lee. Um, I'm, I've heard him say he wants to get to 30 games at least and then see what happens because that will be probably a fair reflection. Um, but I, I really hope, Ian, it can get you know the full 38 or whatever it is. Uh, game season can get finished and then they can go up on merit um, and they can go up by actually completing the league and, and winning it because I th arguably I think their Western League journey, you know, the first season dropped losing by two points, they 95 points they accrued and then doing so well last season and for it to be stopped. So for my own, my own view would be after knowing the club and getting to know the club and and the players that have played, it will be amazing if they if they can finish it all the way through and go up, arguably out and out Western League champions, and then and then that will be a great way to to round off our Western League journey. I mean, it's it's an incredibly frustrating um, situation for all of us, isn't it? Because of course, no matter what Lee does, no matter what the players do, no matter what you or I want, ultimately, you know, the decisions that are going to be taken to sort of to see how this season can conclude, if indeed it can conclude, that you know they're out of our hands. There, you know, we we find ourselves, I suppose, all of us victims of of circumstance, don't we? Which is, um, you know, in any other season, um, the um, the ascension of of Parkway would have been 
um, I, I suppose, a, a relatively routine matter. But I mean, it does, it does, um, you know, it's like the biggest opponent for you this season is the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, the coronavirus has done so much damage to so many things. Um, and I was at the start of the season, you're worried that we are going to play at all. Um, but I think the way the Western League and other other leagues have handled it, I think we've just got to we've got to hope we get to at least thirty games. But we don't know what it's going to be like after Christmas. We don't know if it will come back or whatever. But I just hope that I think if we can get to thirty games, then it, it would be. I don't. I think it will be points per game. I, you'd probably know more than me. Um, but it is a big obstacle for for the for Parkway to overcome. But you say it might be their biggest. I, I don't know. I think there's other clubs at their heels who who might have a say in that. But um, I think they're more than ready for the fight. Well, when you do return um, to football, uh, well, Western League action, you'll be you'll be you'll be away at Cribs, and they've proved to be one of the surprise packages of the um, of the of the Premier Division um, this season. They had a bit of a blip earlier, but they've been on a very good run of form. It's going to be a real test for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I listened to to the manager talk on your podcast uh, last week or the week before. What a fantastic interview that was! And um, and to be fair, what he said about the Parkway game was right. I mean, we were dominant in the first half, but we couldn't find a way through. Nil nil at half time, and then the second half there was a few chances for either side, and then we got the goal. And it, I think. No one's really talked about the save that our keeper made, Kyle Moore. He doesn't make many saves because we're an attacking football team, but he a huge save when it was 1-0. And then we kind of got the got the four other goals and they kind of ran out of steam. But it's going to be, that will be a big game when we go up there. I'm sure uh, the manager will get them prepared to, to have a go at Parkway. And um, I'm sure Parkway will hopefully be be up for the challenge, but it's going to be... It, again, it will be another another brilliant game, as nearly all of them have been so far. Mike, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us again. Thanks for the um, for your for your um, masterclass on social media. It's um, it's always a pleasure chatting to you, and it's it's also great to sort of get your thoughts on on Parkway um, as well. So so thanks very much, and, and and let's hope that the next time we we speak, we'll be talking about um, the football and um, and not and not <laughs> things to do uh, to keep us occupied when we can't be watching it. Yeah, thanks, Ian. And can I just say, can I just add, I need to. Say a big thank you to um, Gavin Lloyd and his dad, Graham Lloyd. Graham writes the match reports and, and Gav helps me on with the social media so I can do the filming. So um, I would, that's my final point. You, it doesn't have to be a one-man band with a Twitter. Uh, you can get three or four helping to make life easier. But without those two um, and with the help of Dave Crawford and, and Tom Finney sometimes taking the pictures, I couldn't do it on my own. So... I just want to add to them. Thank you. I want to thank them both. Uh, thank them all very much. And my thanks to Mike for his time. Now, Jim, this really is um, this is this is your domain. So, um, I mean, I you know, I I I'm, I think that that Mike's doing a, a stand up job at at Plymouth Parkway. But of course, you were in a previous life um, responsible for social media content at Yeovil and Bristol City. So, from a professional point of view, what do you make of what Mike's got to say? It's up there with. Uh... I think, yeah, it's up there with what a lot of football league clubs do, if not better. 
uh, I mentioned it on last week's podcast that stuff that not just Mike but other clubs as well, the Bridgewater have upped their game recently. Um, what they're producing now is definitely league standard. Um, you look at some of the stuff conference clubs are doing, and it's not a touch on what some of the clubs in the Western League are doing. And it's all done by volunteers. These people at the football league clubs are getting paid for doing what they're doing. These are all done by volunteers. And yeah, the output this season, I think, is, well, even last season was decent with Mike's documentary and that, but just the graphics on match days and things like that, there's been, it's, it's so much better this year than I've seen for, for years. It's, um, yeah, it is really, really good. And I think clubs can be, um, they, they don't need to be overly, overly ambitious, do they? I think uh, what frightens off a lot of clubs is they, they think to themselves, well, we, you know, have we got anybody who can do that? I mean, Mike, you know, the likes of Mike don't grow on trees, do they? Although, interestingly enough, from his interview, of course, you know, you, they might not grow on trees, but they do grow in educational establishments. And, and maybe there's more that our clubs can be doing to approach local colleges and universities to say, look, if you've got a student who's, um, you know, needs to get a bit of experience, then, you know, we would we would welcome them, you know, joining our club and, and doing what they can, learning their trade um, with us. Because I suppose we've got a younger generation, we've got a next generation of young people who are looking to get a career in perhaps sports journalism, sports broadcasting, who would love the opportunity to cut their teeth, you know, at a, at a, at a Western League club. Yeah, too, right. I mean, volunteering is a massive thing for Western League clubs. And as you say, Mike joined from his uni, went down to Plymouth Parkway. And now look what he's producing. Mm. It's, it's great. So, I mean, most local clubs have a local college, uni, approach them. I mean, the media students are itching to get out and get experience for their CVs. Um, and they're willing to do it for free as well. And some of the stuff that they produce will just help enhance uh, what clubs do, basically. Yeah, it was, um, I can't, can't say it enough. Just approach the colleges people will will come and help you out i mean you've obviously heard what mike had to say have you got any sort of top tips from your perspective uh, any you know that, that those people out there we know obviously we get fantastic engagement with people like roland millward who are already doing a lot but for people who are interested in getting a bit more involved with their club perhaps they're interested in doing a bit more on social media and um, what are your thoughts on that yeah just said so that go along to the clubs but what mike was saying like the tips there he said build your identity for each club. Um, the hashtags is a big thing as well, getting, getting the club's names out there. Um, I do like Shepton Mallet's one. Mike, again, mentioned it in there. The uh, the town called Mallet. I love that. I think that's brilliant. Um, but people people then recognise it. Use use that every week. Get into a routine. And use, use the same hashtags each week. People then get into a habit. We're creatures of habit. So use the same stuff, use the same templates. Again, touching what Mike said in his interview there, template stuff up at the beginning of the season, use it for the whole season because it's on your brand of, of the club, the colours. Um, just use that and people get used to it as well. So they know, they see this picture. Oh, that's a Plymouth Parkway tweet. That's a Bridgewater tweet. You've got your colours. Choose it at the start of the season and smartphones again. You, what you can do on a smartphone now, you don't need to take your computer to a game now. When, when I first started, you just, you start to take a brick of a computer with you, try and find a Wi-Fi, but now it's just all on your phone. Most phones come with the data all all on there anyway. You can upload pictures straight from there. Yeah, it's just basically 
build your identity at the club is a massive thing. One of the issues I know that concerns um, some club officials is, you know, when social media goes wrong. And of course, we did hear from uh, Martin in his interview about um, an example of that. Indeed, ref support have been very quick to um, come to the defence of match officials when club accounts um, um, have been have been criticising them. So, um, um, Jim, I mean, in your professional career, have, have you got any examples for us of where of where social media has gone wrong for you? Have you committed any faux pas? Oh, there's a few typos, especially on predictive text. So when you're taking a shot from outside of the box, <laughs> yeah, that can some that one's happened a, a couple of times. Other clubs have had that as well. There's some quite funny ones on that. Uh, so you you put it up and then you read it after it's gone out. It's like, oh no, delete, 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 get rid of that. But by the time you've done it, someone's screenshot it anyway. So yeah, I've done that a couple of times. Uh, but one of my say favourites is. Obviously, working down at Yeovil, why? Bottom of the league. So before a game had started, I took a screenshot of the league table and put, uh, as Yaz would sing, the only way is up for Yeovil, thinking, yeah, it would be all right. Well, we finished bottom of the league at the end of the season. and People then went back to that tweet, screenshotted it, and were sending it to the club account saying, you were saying, dot, dot, dot. Oh, no. But I've had a few, yeah. So it can happen to the best of us, I think, is the moral of that story. Um, yes. I know it feels a little bit painful because these things do tend to sort of linger around and, and come back to bite us on the bottom. But I don't think that's a good reason not to do it. I think we can all have a bit of a of a, of a, of a laugh, hopefully, when, uh, when the worst does happen. But, you know, as we heard from Mike there, there's a great deal that clubs can, can get from, um, from social media. Um, and I, I suppose, you'd, you know, that's a point you'd agree with, James. Yeah, definitely, 100%. There's more good that comes out of social media in sport than bad. Obviously, you get a few people on there that try to wind you up and make it a bad place. But I think from football's point of view and club's point of view, um, it's brilliant. Social media is great. You can just publicise a club. It's free. People are always on it as well. Every Nine times out of ten, people have got a smartphone and are on Twitter. So the more you can use it, the better it will be for yourselves and for the for the clubs you're involved in, if used correctly. James, what a fantastic way to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you very much um, for your time. And, um, well, you'll be catching up with us on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.